Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. Merry Christmas. Hey, so um, in a little bit, not now, we're going we're gonna to light our candles. Um, I hope you grabbed one when you came in. They're on the welcome desk. If you didn't grab one, um, then we, uh, we're not going to embarrass you. But you can just maybe raise your hand if you don't have a candle, and then we'll get one of our ushers to grab one for you. Has everyone got one? You guys rock. Look at that. Oh, okay. We got a few. If we could get our ushers to hand some out. That would be awesome. We just want you guys to have one. In a, in a few minutes, what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to preach a very, very brief sermon. I know you didn't think I was capable of that. But my, my papa, my grandfather is here, um, who is uh, 92 years old. And uh, he was a pastor for over 50 years. And my father, being a pastor, now uh, I kind of have followed in that legacy, and, and it's beautiful to see both of them here today. And my papa always told me he's never heard a bad short sermon. So <laughs> we're going to put that theory to the test this morning. Um, no, I, I know that we all, uh, at least many of us, have our kids with us today. We've got little ones. I've got little ones. And so I just want to let you know, if your kids start screaming and hollering, is good. Don't worry about it. It is okay. Um, you can step out of the room if you want to, but also uh, kids that are yelling and screaming just means that they're, they're here with their family and we're glad they're here. So it is okay. Don't feel embarrassed at all. All right, we are going to look at an unconventional Christmas Eve passage. At least I, I would think it's unconventional in the sense that it's not the Christmas story, but it, it hits on a very important um, theological concept that we need to grasp in order to gra- grasp the gravity of Christmas. And that is John chapter 1, and we're going to look at a long passage, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 is what we're looking at. I know you're like, goodness, Pierce, what did you get yourself into? I promise it will be a short sermon. Okay, so I want to invite you to stand. Um, I'm going to read the Lord's Word. We stand out of reverence for God's Word for the first reading of it. Um, If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We're going to have the words on the screen for you. John 1, 1 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the whole Bible because it speaks of the deity of Christ. John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word there is logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all who all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm not going to unpack everything, but it's a beautiful passage. Let me pray, and we'll jump in. Father, on this Christmas Eve, Lord, we just ask that um, you help us to see the beauty and behold uh, what Christmas means, what what this day meant around 2,000 years ago and what it means today. Help us to not treat Christmas flippantly, not treat this moment as something to get through, but Lord, you help us be where we are right now to encounter you through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Okay, so the title of my sermon is Behold. Behold. And I've only got two points for you this morning. They're going to go quick. The first one is behold the incarnation. Behold the incarnation. So if you just look with me at just a few verses from what we just read. Verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus made it all. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the, fa- or the, only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. On this Christmas Eve, I invite you to behold the incarnation. What is the incarnation? And the incarnation is the beautiful reality, and this is a foundational, uh, foundational kind of part of Christian belief and theology, is that God left his eternal throne and entered into creation. He became incarnate in a man. This is very important for us to understand who Jesus really is. Jesus is the maker of the heavens and the earth. That's what the passage says. Everything that was made was made through him. Colossians tells us that everything was made through him and for him. It's all about him. It always has been. Because he's God and he comes and he descends down. He condescends down to take on the form of a man, the form of a baby. Jesus is our maker who is made known. 
this is, this is big, guys. This is, we're, Christianity is the only belief system in the world who believes anything remotely like this. That the, that the author of the story leapt inside the page. That, that the painter who was painting the grand picture of what is taking place, he got inside the painting. That, that the playwright who was, who was conducting and directing the, the beautiful play took the stage. Jesus entered into creation, or the logos, the word, entered into creation as a man. We call his name Jesus Christ. Beholding the incarnation means a lot of different things. One, it means it's a statement about the brokenness and the darkness of our world. That, that we were so broken by sin and the world was so dark that the only solution was God himself bringing the light. That, that God himself enters into creation and he does so here. But also the incarnation is something beautiful in the fact that it means that we have a missional God. What I mean by that is that God is not a God who, who sat on his throne and, and is watching you, waiting for you to, to, to gain up enough goodness within yourself to, to work your way up the mountain to him. So every other world religion bases who God is on this idea that it's all about you working your way to God. If you pray enough times, if you face in the right direction when you do it, if you put your body in the right position, if you go to church enough times, if you confess this many times, if you do this, if you do that, if you give more money, if you do all these different things, then God might show favor to you and you will be able to come to him. And instead, Christianity is totally and radically different. God saw you in your state, in your brokenness, in your darkness, and said, he or she cannot make it on their own. I will go to them. That's beautiful. This is what makes Christianity radically different than any other world religion. God loved you so much that he was willing to forsake his heavenly throne and enter into creation and not just enter into creation as, as the one who is very clearly Lord of all, but instead to condescend himself to that of a lowly and rejected child. One who, who didn't even find room in the inn. One who didn't even have a normal bed. He condescended himself so that you might receive riches. That's what the Apostle Paul states in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is what the incarnation is. And there's more to the incarnation than just this, but, but the incarnation is this beautiful statement of God's love for you, and ultimately of your salvation in him alone, which is point two, behold your salvation. Behold your salvation. If you look at a few verses with me, verses nine through 13, and we'll skip down to 16, it says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, 
And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's skip to verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The eternal word entered into creation um, not to do a few magic tricks and to gain a few followers and to get people to like him and to think he's a good teacher. Uh, the, the eternal word, the eternal God of creation who made all things didn't, didn't enter into creation to, to get you to show up to church uh, once a week. God didn't do that to get you to maybe pray to him every once in a while. God didn't do that to, to do anything like that. You, you want me to tell you what he did this for? He came to bring you light and life. That's what the passage says. He came to bring you light and life. Some of us right now feel like our life is not life. It's broken. We feel like a zombie walking and working our way through life. Or we feel like our life is being lived, but it's being lived in darkness. And we've tried everything we can to work our way out of this state. And we're realizing slowly but surely, some of us it's only taken a little while. Some of us it's taken decades. But slowly but surely, we're figuring out that we cannot work our way out of the darkness. It's just not happening. It doesn't matter how much we show up to church. In fact, some of us, we show up to church on a Sunday and we walk away saying, man, I didn't feel any different. I guess it doesn't work. And it's like, yeah, well, if that's what you think church is, then of course it doesn't. Because church doesn't give you the light. There's only one who does. His name is Jesus. He came to bring you light and life. He came to bring you salvation. The maker of man became a man and he did so that he might earn for you what you could not earn for yourself. That's big, guys. The bread of life became hungry so that you might be full. The fountain of living water became thirsty so that you might be quenched. The light of the world entered into darkness so that you might be illuminated. The way, walk the road with human feet so that you might know the path. The truth was accused by false witness and judged by the unjust so that you might receive a pardon. The king of creation was crowned with thorns so that you might be crowned with royalty. The mender of the brokenhearted was himself physically broken so that you might be made whole. The true son of God, the true one son of God was despised and rejected so that you might be adopted as son or daughter. And the giver of life, the one who made it all, experienced death so that you might taste eternity. Guys, if we do nothing this Christmas Eve and Christmas, other than this, I just want you to behold the incarnation and behold your salvation, which comes through faith in Christ. By grace alone, 
through faith alone in Christ alone. There's no other way. So my question to you is this. Have you received this salvation? It's not, you don't receive it by attending church. You don't receive it by praying some special prayer. You don't receive it by writing your name on a card. The, rate, the way you receive this salvation is simple. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 states it very clearly for us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. To break that down, that's really simple. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is just that, that he is Lord of your life, that you're not. So that's turning away from running your own life and saying, I can't do it anymore. I bow my knee and make you Lord over my life. I submit to whatever you have for me, whatever call it is, whatever thing you want, whatever my life has, I lay it down. I don't want it. I just want what you have for me. That's making him Lord. And believing your heart that God raised him from the dead is, is a way that Paul is stating that you understand the reality of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Because the the wages of sin is death. That's what the book of Romans tells us. The payment for sin is death. So, so by sin, all of us have sinned, we deserve death. Now Jesus lived sinlessly and he did not deserve death, but he went to the cross willingly for you and I and took upon himself that payment for sin himself and paid it for you so that you don't have to. And, and his, since he was sinless he was, and he's God incarnate, his payment for sin is, is perfect and complete. There's no greater sacrifice than that sacrifice. And so his sacrifice for sin is perfect and complete and full. And this is, this is shown by his resurrection from the dead, that he overcame sin, he overcame death, and that is shown through his resurrection. And all we must do is submit to him as Lord and believe that he's done it for us. By grace alone, we didn't earn it, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you uh, want to receive this salvation today, in a little bit we're gonna light candles and we're gonna do all that, uh, but I don't wanna skip over the fact that we'll have people in our first steps room out this door. If you wanna talk about what it looks like to say yes, I submit to Lord to, to, to Jesus as Lord, and you want to do that today, we want to walk you through what that looks like. And we'd love to do that. And I can tell you that life and light can be had now. The brokenness you experience can be mended right now. The wholeness you're seeking can be had right now if you turn to the only one who can do it. If you have received this salvation, which uh, many of us have, then my encouragement to you over this Christmas season, over these 12 days of Christmas, my encouragement to you is to savor the sweetness of your salvation and to share it with others. Use these next few days to share the sweetness of the salvation you've received through Christ with others. I know that if we do that, God will use us in mighty ways. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna sing a song. Um, after we sing that song, we are going to 
um, do the candle thing. So um, I'll kind of walk us through what that'll look like in a few minutes. But um, as the title of the sermon is Behold, we're going to sing a song about beholding Christ. So I want to invite you to stand. Let me pray for us. Father, as we look to you and we seek to understand the gravity of the incarnation, Lord, help us to savor the sweetness of the salvation that you have achieved for us, not by our own good works, but by what you have done for us upon the cross. For it is the work of the cross and the day of Easter that make the day of Christmas so beautiful. Help us to see that and savor that today. Help us to behold you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray real quick before we light the candle. Father, you are good, and we, uh, we thank you for um, sending Jesus. May we, in this moment, recognize what these candles signify and symbolize. And may this be a precious moment of worship to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to remain standing um, real quick. Um, I'm just going to let you know what we're going to do here. So I want to read to you part of the passage that we had earlier. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verses 9 through 13 say, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In a second, I'm going to light the Christ candle. It's the white candle at the center. And uh, what we're going to do is something, it's just beautiful symbolism. Um, Christians all around the world do this today, which is really cool. See, what this symbolizes is that Christ is the light. He's the only light. And, and what we do is we take the light, we light the candle, which is the light of Christ, and then we take that light and we light our own candle from the light of Christ And then what we'll do is we'll begin passing that light in a room full of darkness, symbolizing a world that is full of darkness. But what's beautiful is this symbolizes how the the light of Christ cannot be overcome by the darkness. And that as we begin to pass the light, the world, this room, begins to be filled with the light of Christ. This is a beautiful symbolic thing that we all do that shows our great commission that Jesus didn't didn't just tell us to to believe in him and then leave it at that, but instead he gave us work to do, and that is to take the light of Christ into the world of darkness and to share it with those who are in the dark. So we are going to light the Christ candle. And I want to invite the sound group to turn off all the lights. It'll be dark for just a moment, but soon we will all be in light. I want to invite the staff up to light their candles. And what I want to do is I'm going to light my candle, and the staff are going to light their candles. And then we're going to come into the aisles, and we're going to pass the light. And what I want you to do is to pass it to your neighbor, and when you pass it, I want you to say, it's okay, I want you to say, this is the light of Christ given for you, okay? When you pass it to your neighbor, the light of Christ for you, all right? 